so enjoy being here with you guys this morning. And uh, I have absolutely fallen in love with Pastor Paul and Pastor Lisa. And you know what? I think when you find some very special people like this man up here as well, you want to honor them. So I want you to stand and let's honor the ministry gift of this couple right here. Can we do that? We love you. We thank you for what you do. Very special. And I um, am so honored to have one of my my best buds. Um, I'm his older sister. He tells me that all the time. Yes, you are. It's Pastor Kevin Wright. Pastor Kevin, come up here and greet the folks, would you? Thank you, Lord. Well, I tell you what, I didn't plan on coming up and greeting everybody, but uh, since I'm here, I might as well. I, uh, it is good to be here tonight. This is my first opportunity of being here, and I've been just, when I found out that y'all was having revival this week, I was just ready to come, but, you know, my schedule, our schedules get busy. Life gets busy sometimes, you know what I mean? And, and so tonight, I'm really glad you carried the revival over one more night, because tonight I could come. And uh, it is good to be here. I love it because the presence of the Lord's here. And wherever he is, I tell you what, I just feel at home. And, uh, and I'm thankful for the ministry in this house. And it is an honor to be here tonight. And I appreciate my sis. And how many of you know the Lord is doing some great things? I tell you what, he just put it on my heart earlier this year, uh, just about seeking first the kingdom of heaven. And he's also dealt with my heart in Acts. It talks about how Paul... Uh, how they were going through the storm, but it speaks about how they just simply, he believed, he chose to believe, not so much believe, so much in the Lord, but be just believe the Lord, take him at his word, and, uh, and, and, and so this year, we've been trying to just, just get that in our spirit, and we've been preaching and teaching on that, and I tell you what, we've seen things happen, God is on the move, and, uh, and I've heard about the healing that happened here, and, and uh, man, the Lord is good. The Lord is good, and he's worthy of praise. So anyway, bless you all, and I hope your expectation tonight is as great as mine because I just know he's here in this house, and, uh, man, I'm just, I'm just ready for the word. Special. Well, you know what? I am excited, too, because this is the sixth night that some of you have hung out for revival. Now, listen, that don't happen much anymore. Usually revival is just a couple of nights, and this is the sixth night, so some of you are like, sitting there with your tongue hanging out, but I speak strength to all of you right now in Jesus' name. And look, nobody's worked harder than these two have, having to do the music every night, and all of you that have played a vital part. But Jesus being here means, as Pastor said, that you're hungry for a move of God. And it doesn't take a whole bunch of people to have a move of God. Come on, y'all. It just takes people that are hungry uh, for what God has for us, and I'm so thankful for that. So really quickly, since it's my last night tonight, I just want to um, tell you, uh, all of you ladies, um, now listen, we just drove a short distance from Virginia to Missouri, and, uh, and so I want you guys to pack cars and come to Virginia in May. May 17th, 18th, and 19th is our, is our um, Women on a Mission Crusade. We do it once a year. There's no registration and no fee. You just come. And we have a blast. It's a revival for women. That's exactly what it is. 
um, Sister Mindy started be speaking uh, in one of our services this year. We're really excited about that. Our theme is come away with me. And you said it. God's wanting us to come and be intimate with him, to get into a whole new dimension with him. Come on, y'all. How many of you know it's time? Either you have relationship with him or you don't. And so that's what we're plugging for. We want women to come back to their churches and be energized and be on fire for God. Because I tell you what, if you get a bunch of women on fire for the Lord, you're going to have some revival. I can tell you, it ain't nobody like a mama that's going to fight for her babies. Come on, how many of you know that's true? I saw a little mama bird, Candace lives just a, a, around the block from me, and she has this bush in her front yard. And one day she called and she said, you got to come over here and help me. And I said, what's going on? She said, there's a bird's nest in this bush. And it was right beside her front door. And she said, I can't get in my front door. And I said, what? And so I took off over there. And this mama bird was watching out for her babies. And every time Candace started toward her front door, she'd come down like she was going to take all her hair off of her head. Come on, y'all. And, you know, she was just doing what's natural. So women are powerful warriors. Come on. Some of you wouldn't be here without a praying mama. How many of you know that's true? So it's, it's just a fun time. But anyway, I do want to tell you that um, there are some DVDs and CDs out there. And I'll just give a couple of these away really quick. So you're going to kind of have to come get these really quick because I want to get into the word. This one's called Spiritual Upsurge. Who wants this? This is a... DVD. All right, y'all better come get it, or I'm just gonna, I'm gonna throw it somewhere. All right, Amy, come on, girl, come on, girl. All right, and this one is a great message. You have to finish. How many of you know it's one thing to start, but it's another thing to finish. This is a neat CD that you put in your car and chase all the stuff out of your car as you go down the road. Anybody want this one? You bet. Oh, all right, come on, baby girl, give them a big hand. Well, I want one. Well, great. I'm glad you do because you can get one off the table for a small fee, okay? So we would love to be able to get rid of all that stuff. And then I'm grateful for people uh, that are partners, and we have partners even here in this assembly that, that are uh, monthly partners to keep us on the road full time. Pastor used to be an evangelist, so they know exactly what I'm going to talk about. Everything we do is by faith. I don't have to see. I didn't come here this week and say, yes, I'll come for X amount of money. I don't really care about that. God takes care of us. He really does. But ministry is not, you know, sowing into ministry is your tithe goes to your church, but anything above that you sow into ministry. It's really not so much for me as it is for you. How many of you know giving is an amazing gift that God has created for you? And I, if I have needs, if I sow, God will turn that back over for me. So when you hold on tight-fisted to stuff, guess what? The blessings of God can't come. But when you begin to tithe into your church and you begin to give offerings, I guarantee you every bill is going to be taken care of. It works that way. It's the law of God. So there's some envelopes out there. There's a music CD out there that I did a few years ago. And there's only two T-shirts left out there. I think they're like $5. They were from previous um, Women's Crusade, so you can grab those as well. I really like this um, CD. My brother actually titled this Simply Sheila. But he really wanted to call it Simple Sheila. And I wouldn't let him do it, so we put an L-Y on it. <laughs> anyway, you have to know my brother. He's a jokester. But anyway, it's a neat CD. Um, and so... And then there's jewelry out there for ladies. Of course it is. Thank you, Miss Candace. Would you give Miss Candace a big hand? <laughs> she keeps me straight. She really does. 
Well, since it's the last night and I'm leaving, uh, I'm safe by leaving after this message tonight because it is a very difficult one to swallow. And uh, every time the Holy Spirit leads me to preach this message, Tina just gets really nervous. She goes, you're preaching that? Oh, my Lord. Oh, Jesus, help us, God. Um, but it's because in, uh, after the Lord did some great things last night, and then in light of just praying and thinking through, I woke up sometime during the night, and I had this message on my mind because there's so many things that we battle, and I think we need to slow down and talk about that tonight. So I want you to think about this title tonight, Shattering Your Strongholds. And I want you to go ahead and grab your Bible tonight and turn with me to Second Chronicles Excuse me, let's change that. Second Corinthians, I'm looking at it, called it Chronicles. All right, we're already in trouble, right? Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. And you can go ahead and stand, and, and Eli puts that up for us, but that doesn't mean you should not have brought your sword with you too, okay? Um, but go ahead and grab that and stand, and we're going to read this. And this is an easy scripture. You all should know this. If you don't, I would guarantee that this is what you need to do to have victory in, in every struggle is write this on an index card and stick it on your refrigerator. And every time the devil comes around, stick it in his nose. It simply goes like this. For the weapons of, come on, say it with me. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Come on. But they're mighty through God to the what? Do this with me. Through the pulling down of strongholds. Let's read it one more time. Now, this time I want you to read it with attitude like you're telling the devil, okay? For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God through the pulling down of strongholds. Now, let's go to Romans 8 and verses 5 and 6, Eli. And this is an awesome scripture here. We're going to be talking about a different nature tonight. So in Romans 8, 5 and 6. It goes like this, those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires, but those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind of controlled by the spirit, the mind that is controlled by the spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is what? Hostile toward God. The sinful mind is hostile toward God. Now lay your Bible down and let's stretch across and have one more prayer before we get into this mighty word tonight. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we want to thank you for this moment right here. We've passed through Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, and this is a night that wasn't even supposed to happen, but you love somebody enough to set this moment up for them, and that's how I feel in the spirit. God, everything has been suspended for this night for someone to come to deliverance. And, Father, I thank you that as they were singing about the blood tonight, it reminded me that at Calvary it's a package deal. Not only did we get salvation, but we got we got healing and we got deliverance. We got it all there. God, you did it for us. There's nothing else that can take place. God, that hasn't already been done for us to receive everything that we need from you tonight. So, God, I thank you for the reading of this precious word. Let it come alive in, our, in every fiber of our being tonight. God, let us begin to soar in our heart and in our mind. God, let us begin to gravitate toward those things that will absolutely transform our lives tonight, Lord. Everything that we get comes from you and nobody else. There's not one man, not, not one doctor, not one medication that can change us and give us the victory and give us satisfaction like you can. Can't nobody 
Do us like Jesus. Hallelujah. So, Father, we honor you tonight. We give you all the praise, all the glory. I thank you in advance for those you're going to touch tonight. So we give you that in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And everybody said, amen. You can be seated tonight in the presence of the Lord. I'm thankful that I'm covered by that blood that they sung about tonight. And pastor's right. Most churches are wanting to do away with the blood. Don't talk about the blood. That makes people uncomfortable. That's just absolutely, you know, gory to think about things like that. They don't want to think about the torture and the pain and all the stuff that he went through for you and I to have eternal life. But the fact remains, it is the blood, hallelujah, that changes us from who we are into who he wants us to be. Sinful nature can only go away uh, and be conquered by the blood of Jesus Christ. How many of you know that's true? But because sin uh, has come into the world, we have a lot of work to do to, to be sustained in this Christian walk, and it takes being our participator and not a spectator. Come on, y'all. A lot of people come to church, and they're on the outer perimeters of the church, and they watch everybody else get blessed, but they never engage. They never enter in. They're always on the outside of the fire, but when you're cold, how many of you know getting near the fire is the best place to be? I don't know about you guys, but even tomorrow, they're calling for like nine inches of snow back home in Virginia, and I'm thinking, my little fireplace would feel really good on that snowy night. How many of you know what I'm saying? But in the spirit, I'm thankful for the Lord Jesus Christ that has a fire burning for you and I when we're cold and indifferent, when we're lethargic and lazy, when we've been subdued. We can get closer to the fire and God can begin to warm our spirit. Come on, y'all. You hear what I'm saying? And I'm thankful for that. But there are many people today that don't do that. There are a lot of people that are being led by their five senses and not by their spirit man at all. So we do still have a carnal nature. No matter how much you got saved, you're saved to the bone. Come on, y'all are sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. But guess what? You still have a sinful nature. So if somebody falls today, I can't judge them because tomorrow I may fall. But God knows my heart, and he knows I would never want to do that. But if we don't keep our mind stayed on Christ, the enemy will come in, and he will devour us and try to destroy our lives with Christ. So one day I was thinking about different things. I was actually, uh, uh, a few years back, I was ministering in Memphis, Tennessee, and the pastor handed me a book. And the title of the book was Shattering Your Strongholds. And I thought, oh, that sounds pretty interesting. I think I'll take that back and read it. And he said, Sheila, it's an eye-opener. And I said, okay, thanks. I, do you want me to give it back to you? And he goes, no, I want you to have it. You take, put it in your library and enjoy it. So a few months went by before I ever pulled the book out and started reading it. But when I did, I was absolutely blown away because when you've been in church all your life, you have a tendency to sit under the word and you just listen, but maybe not always study some things out. So my definition or recollection of strongholds were things that the enemy did to me. And I can remember praying, oh, Lord, help, this, help me to get free of these old strongholds that the enemy's put on my life. But then all of a sudden, a light bulb went off in reading this awesome book written by a pastor. And he began to talk about strongholds in a whole different uh, realm that I had ever understood before. And then it made more sense to me. There was a clarity that came why there are so many people bound in the church. I'm not saying bound outside the doors, bound within the church. Come on, y'all. Sometimes we can't have Holy Ghost Church because we're dealing with a bunch of people who have no freedom. They, they do have chains and ropes tied around them. We can't see in the spirit unless 
the Lord shows us that. Uh, but we would be absolutely appalled by the stuff that we see that would walk in this building in the spirit if we could see. So God began to open up my, my understanding to that. And I go back to this verse because this verse has walked with me throughout my Christian experience. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, Sheila. You're not battling uh, flesh and blood. You're not battling people. You're battling principalities and rulers of darkness. And so whatever weaknesses that you may have, he intensifies the issue. Come on, y'all. How many of you know that, that what, how, you know, one person is battled, another person may be battled in a whole different avenue. Some things that you're tempted with, I would never be tempted with. Sometimes when people have come out of addictions, come on, y'all, hear me in, and they've gone through some really hard things, and they first get saved, we want to say, don't go back to the bar and try to be a great testifier, because that's not the place that you need to go right now. Because how many of you know the devil's waiting to push their buttons and bring them back into that old lifestyle again? So we're always having to be sober and vigilant. We've always got to be alert because the enemy is never going to take a day off. He never takes a day off. When you think you've got everything conquered, all of a sudden right over your shoulder is another huge battle that's coming. I always tell people either you've just came out of a battle or you're getting ready to go into one because there's really not a lot of downtime between that. We are constantly fighting for our right as Christians. Christians are not for wimpy people. Come on. It's not a wimpy thing that we do as, as this Christian lifestyle has walked out. It really takes a man or a woman to do this. When I youth pastored, I used to tell our kids, anybody can jump on a, a bar stool and drink a beer. Anybody can put a needle in their arm. Anybody can sleep around. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to do that. But listen, it takes a real sold-out man or woman to turn their back on that stuff and say, I will not go back to that lifestyle. I will not let the enemy take me down that road again. I am beyond that now. Come on, y'all. How many of you know I'm telling you the truth? So we need to understand that if we're going to win battles tonight, and, you know, I want to leave you with this, this great church, well, I really feel like you're not going to be here much longer. Uh, so, but while you're here, you need to learn how to deal with what you have because God cannot grow us to a, a 300 member church if we don't know how to take care of 75 people. And so in that, I mean this, that you people that are sitting out there, pastor can't do everything for you, so grow up, get the pacifier out of your mouth, and start fighting your battles for yourself. Because there's times when you don't have them around you, and you're going to have to learn how to do this on your own. Now, my brother is my pastor at home, and he has grown me well because he has pulled back a lot of times when I didn't want him to. But he was trying to train me and teach me how to walk in on my own two feet. And I realized that through the years, all of that was for this, that when I'm a thousand miles away and I'm dealing with one of the biggest devils of my life, that I cannot run and call him to come to my rescue. But I've got to know that I know that what he has inside of him, I also have inside of me. 
And so what the pastor wants to do in raising up this assembly is raising up not wimpy people who run every time the devil goes boo, but you stand up and you're warriors just like she sung in the song. Where's the warriors of God? There's an army rising up. Listen, when you get sick and tired of being sick and tired, you'll start doing something. Come on, how many of you know? If you're sick and tired of being broke all the time, you're going to figure something out to start making some money to get out of that poverty place. That's what we do. When you're sick and tired of carrying around a lot of extra weight, Amy, you decide, listen, I'm going to either live fat the rest of my life or I'm going to put this body under subjection and I'm going to let my spirit begin to soar. We make up our minds how we want to fight battles and we make up our minds how we win battles. So watch this. Here's what I know. Your mind is like a computer tonight. Think about your computer. Most of you have it on your phone or you have a PC at home or you have a a little, uh, what do you call it, the the little tablet or whatever. Everybody's got all this technology going on. And, you know, on my my computer there's a delete button. Have you all ever noticed that you have a delete button? And, And I use that a lot because often I come across things I don't need that anymore. I'll just delete that. But see, here's where the devil has cheated the church. Because when you hear a message like this, it convicts you. You'll say, oh, I'm going to push the delete button and get rid of that. You really haven't dealt with it at all. It's just in a holding tank. Y'all better hear me. So our mind is like this computer gathering information into the terminal of our senses. And we have the power to receive or reject information just like that computer. And so here's what you need to understand. Your mind is the battleground. Everybody point to your head. This is where your battle starts. This is where it ends, right here. Listen, my mom died in 2012 with Alzheimer's. And my mom was an intercessor. She was a prayer warrior. And the last five years of her life, she was not able to communicate with us anymore. She didn't recognize us. She didn't carry on a conversation. But I'm going to tell you one thing that she did do. When we began to gather around her bed and grab her little hands and start praying, my mother would start praying in the Holy Ghost every single time. I said, isn't that amazing that the Holy Ghost goes right across damaged brain cells, that that is never taken away. The enemy cannot take that away. He might take my mind where I don't understand or really remember every single thing. I might not remember everybody's name or know the people that walk in my room, but my mom could say within herself, devil, you'll never take my prayer language. I still know how to pray in the Holy Ghost. And that's what's so vitally important when you understand how this mind works. It's an amazing, fascinating organ, the brain. And many of you are much smarter than you give yourself credit for. But the enemy battles the mind because he knows if he can take your mind, he's won the battle. And that's pretty much the way mental illness works. And I'm convinced that a lot of times uh, when I have gone into mental institutions and I've ministered to different people, uh, I can walk through the halls of those places and feel the demonic oppression as I go. I'm convinced that the enemy uses that 
that as a major tool to absolutely ca cripple the people of God. I'm telling you, I've seen a lot of things in my medical profession, and I know that a lot of stuff comes from the enemy. I'm not saying everything does, but the majority of it does. And if we can teach the church how to get you free, we can bypass a lot of that mess in our journey of life tonight. I remember there was a lady that called me, and I was home, and she said, Dr. Sheila, are you home? And I said, I am. And she says, I wondered if you would do me a favor. And I said, well, what is it? I'll, I'll try if I can. And she says, I have a, a friend that I met actually in a restaurant. She had moved here from California, a young girl, about 21 years old. She moved, got to Danville. I don't know how she did, but she was waitressing. And she said, I met her there, and then and we just exchanged phone numbers because we started chatting, and I was going to help her, you know, around the city and, and kind of get her familiar with stuff. And she said, I got a phone call from her late one evening, and she said, I really hate to bother you, but I have nobody here, and I need somebody to come and help me. And she says, well, what's going on? And she said, I've been admitted to the psychiatric ward. And she said, I... I'm not supposed to be here. I know I'm not. No, it was not the psychiatric ward in the hospital. She was transferred to our mental hospital there in Danville. And she said, I'm in here with a bunch of people that I don't need to be in here with. And she said, well, how did you land in there? She said, I, I, took, a, I took some medication on my job, and I flipped out, and they called the police, and they called the rescue squad, and this is where they brought me. And she says, I'm not crazy. I just took too much medicine. And so the girl went down there, and she visited her and everything, and she says, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send a friend of mine down here to see you because I really think that you need to hear what she has to say, uh, which was moi. So I go down there, and, of course, I know a lot of the people that work there, and they let me to come in and visit her. But as I begin to walk down the corridors of the halls, I could just almost think, man, I could have a major deliverance service in this place right now. Because, listen, the enemy knows who you are. Uh, I'm going to tell you this again. The enemy knows what's inside of you. Now, if you're sitting on that pew and you're faking it and you act like you're a Christian but there's no power in you, he is not going to bother you because he's already got you. But when you have the goods inside, come on, y'all, when you are sold out to the Lord, the enemy knows who you are. So when you walk in, he gets nervous. Come on. And I could just feel the demonic activity all around, and I thought, oh, dear Lord, uh, this is this is crazy. So I went on in, found the young girl sitting there, and she was just sitting there frightened as she can be. 21 years old, all the way from California, all by herself. I didn't know her whole story, so I, I pulled my chair up beside of her, and I said, what are you doing in here? You know, what are you doing in here? And she goes, I don't know. She says, is there any way you can get me out of here? So we begin to talk. Uh, come to find out she had been abused in her lifetime. She was going through some difficult situations, and she just wanted to get away from the whole situation. So when she became 21, she just she just ditched it and came all the way as far across the United States as she could and landed in Danville, Virginia. And uh, so we began to talk, and I began to share the Lord with her, and she just began to weep while we were sitting there. And she says, you know what, I've, I've never been to church in my life. I don't know anything about really God. I know there is a God. I do believe there is a God, but I don't know a whole lot about him. But she said, I have no rest in my mind. My mind will not shut down. I haven't slept in days. And she said, I'm not a drug addict. I was taking something to help me try to calm down, and it did the reverse reaction on me. 
And she said, I mean, I'd be honest. They did drug tests. They found out I wasn't a drug, you know, I, I wasn't a drug user. And so anyway, long story short, I prayed for her. She accepted the Lord Jesus Christ into her life. And I said, I'm going to be back tomorrow because I got some things to bring you. So I went down to the Bible bookstore and I bought some CDs, some worship um, stuff. And I, and I got her a Bible and I came back and I said, okay, I, I want to give you some stuff. Uh, so I want you to hear me out. Well, when I got t- back to her on the second day, she couldn't even have a conversation with me because they had her so drugged up on psych meds. Come on, y'all hear me. I was so angry. I went to the nurse's station and I said, what have you guys got this, this girl on? And she said, oh, we, we're, the doctor just put you in prescribed, yada, yada, yada. I'm naming off all the meds that I knew. And I'm like, these are powerful stuff. This lady don't need, she does not need all this stuff. She's, I, I promise you, I said, that's what, she's not a drug addict. You know, and I told them the story and they went, well, they, they had on their part that she was. I said, no, she's not. She told you, did you not do a drug test? Well, yeah, let me go back and look. They go back in the chart, and they found out that she was clean and the whole nine, and so it was a big mess. It was a royal mess. But anyway, I'm sitting there, and she's like a zombie and barely able to talk to me. And this is when the Holy Spirit began to speak to me, that the devil wants to take your mind. People are on medication today that have no business being on medication. Now, come on, I'm not anti-medicine because I believe that's a form of healing if that's the way God chooses. But I also know that a lot of times we are, we are forced to do stuff and have treatments and do all these things that we just need to give God the opportunity to do it first. Come on, y'all. And this is what I tell people. Let me lay hands on you and pray for you. And then if you don't get healed, you go and get what you need done. Because I'm not against treatment. I'm not against doctors. So don't, don't fall out with me tonight. But I'm just saying that a lot of times our, our mind is already bogged down with so much stuff. The enemy loves the fact that you're not sober enough to make right decisions. That you can't carry on conversations. And then it takes you back to the very... Uh, place of pain and he wants to keep you there all the time people can't function that's why they put them on medication because they can't function because of the past do you hear what i'm saying and so this this mind of ours it's the strongest part of our carnal nature because this is where temptation enters come on y'all hear me is it a sin to be tempted tonight no but it is a sin when the temptation goes from your head to your heart and you act on it So that's where we need to understand. People think, well, I've sinned all day because I've been tempted all day. Well, Lord, have mercy. There's not a person in this room that hasn't been tempted because that's part of the carnal nature. That's that's part of Satan's job. So you need to understand how to battle and what you're battling. So Satan will eat us alive if we don't understand the authority that's been given to you and I. And he loves to invade our thoughts. So here's what I know. A lot of times people say, well, how, how does the devil know everything about me? He doesn't read your mind. I'm going to tell you that. He can't read your mind. He's not like God. But he can plant suggestions and thoughts in your mind. And that's how he battles us. Well, then how does he know? Because you tell him. Have you ever listened to your prayer life? Have you ever heard what comes out of your mouth? Oh, Lord, I don't know how we're going to make that utility bill. We don't have any money. And the devil's sitting over there just writing down, oh, they don't have any money. I'm going to intensify that area. He listens to everything that you say. Well, what, Sheila? You don't want us to ask God for things? No, but there's a proper way to pray. Pray in authority. Pray in boldness. Pray because you're a daughter and a son of God, and you 
are not a wimp. Come on. Yes, you have needs. We're needy people. But pray like you know God's already going to take care of this situation because he's your father, and he will never abandon you. He loves you beyond your comprehension tonight. I'm damaged goods. You may be, but you're not going to stay that way because God already created a way of escape for you and I tonight. So we go back to Romans. He says, those who live according to the sinful nature have their mindset on what the nature desires. People that are in sin live by their five senses. That's all they know. Their taste, touch, hear, smell, sight. That's all they know. And so when we become born again, saved, accept Christ as our personal Savior, all of a sudden our eyes have been opened. We become enlightened. It's like uh, looking through a foggy glass when you're in sin, and now you can see clearly. And now we're not going by our five senses. Now we're learning to walk in the Spirit and trust God and have our ears open to hear what He is saying. So we need to understand that there is a trick that Satan uses in all of this mind stuff. So let's go back to that computer. So I'll be working on my computer, and I'll delete stuff. I'll go in and on my phone, and I'll delete, delete, delete to try to save some room, and I haven't done that. But then there's a trash bin. Y'all have one of those. So you really need to go in there and work on that if you really want it to go away. And see, some people only want to delete. They don't want to put it in the trash bin. Now, let me tell you why that is. Because then the enemy wants you to go back to the delete area and pull that stuff back out. And then you just have to go through that same battle over and over again. So I begin to look at strongholds. And the Lord began to help me to understand why people are not free. So let me tell you this. In the Greek uh, the original Greek word for stronghold is, is a word called octoroma, and that simply means holding something safe, fortifying something. That's what it's talking about. So to paraphrase that, it means a stronghold is something that we use to fortify and defend a personal belief, even if it's wrong. But we fortify it. It's, it becomes a stronghold for us. It's an outside, keeps outside opposition out, even if it's absolutely wrong. So here's what the, uh, the Lord helped me to understand about people with strongholds. So when we say the word stronghold, you probably go back to what I said initially in the message is, oh, my goodness, I can't believe the devil did that to me again. No, 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 the devil didn't do that. He gave me the building blocks, and one by one, I began to build this fortification all around me. Because this is the way I survive. Women that are subjected to, uh, they become a victim of mental abuse because they relieve, they relive statements that they hear in and out of their day like, you're so stupid, I wish I'd never married you. You are a rotten wife and a worse mother. I can't stand you. You are nothing but a slob. Look at you. You're the ugliest person I ever laid my eyes on. That sounds crucial. I can't believe that. Listen, women live in that every single day. Not only do women, are they victims of mental abuse, but so are men. Come on, when I worked in the ER, there was a woman that walked in, and honey, I want you to know she racked her husband upside the head with a frying pan more than one time. He was a victim of abuse. Do you understand what I'm saying? So it, it infiltrates our lives. We go from one stage to another when we're looking at all of the things that happen. But what happens to that woman, let's just use her for example, that becomes a victim of, uh, of mental abuse? All of a sudden, she's hearing it over and over again. What happens to her? It begins to tear down her confidence in herself. 
She no longer feels like she's good for anything. She can't do anything on her own because now she is this person that's been spoken over her. She begins to buy into what has been spoken over her life. Last night, we were praying off some generational curses because if you don't stop it right here, it's going to continue to go from one generation to the next. So I like to say the buck stops here, baby, because what my mom and my dad suffered, I refuse to let it in to my physical body. I will not have diabetes. I will not have Alzheimer's. I will not have high blood pressure. I don't have to receive that. So I found out what the problem is, is we begin to build strongholds, and then we, we begin to take ownership of stuff. And so I found out that it was really true when I would have altar calls, and I would say, what do you need us to pray for? Well, I want you to pray for my heart problem and my kidney area and my diabetes. And all of a sudden, I kept hearing the word my my, my, and the Lord said, they're buying into their own sickness. It's not yours. Get rid of it. Don't even use that word when you're asking God to do things for you because this is how we begin to build strongholds. So all of a sudden, this lady, what she hears, it goes through the terminals of her mind, and it begins to find a lodging place there. And then she begins to build this wall because she has to keep the pain from being worse. But guess guess what happens? The more we build on this stronghold, we're building to keep more pain from coming in, but we're also preventing God from coming in to help us get rid of it. So it becomes a major problem in the church. We're sitting there and we're going through the motions, but we can't feel anything anymore. It's like we're stunted. Come on, y'all. We can't hear spiritually. Nothing is being said that, that really complies with anything that I need to know because it's dull. My senses are dull to all of the things that I need to hear from the supernatural realm of God because I have built these strongholds up. They are tall. They are thick walls. They are high. And I, I come into the church, and I sit back, and I see other people weeping in the presence of God. And I see them shouting and glorifying the Lord. And I know within myself that I don't have the freedom to do that because I'm bound by the past. And I'm bound by the pain. And I'm bound by addiction. And I'm not free. But I don't want to leave the church because this is the only solace I have. And I remember praying for a lady in our uh, women's crusade. And she said to me, Sheila, I live in a very abusive situation. And when I come to church, I feel like I've walked into peace, a place of safety, where people can really love me. And you know, body language tells a lot, and how people respond to touch tells a lot. I can go all the way back to our medical profession, Mindy, and we learn a lot about people just in trying to see what kind of response they have. When I come up and hug somebody, I know if you're a hugger or not, just the way you embrace me. Some people are uncomfortable, don't get into my personal space. You know, I'm okay if, if you are like here. But the closer you get to somebody, the sweat begins to beat up on their forehead, you know, because all of a sudden you're, you're getting a little bit too close. You get really close to them like this. They freak out on you because they've never had that. My mom and dad, I, I said this last night, were the most loving two people 
and my mom and dad were not Christians early on in our when I was growing up, but I, I didn't know the difference. I mean, we just didn't go to church except for Easter and Christmas. We did go to some holidays. I got an Easter outfit, and uh, that was really cool. That's why we went to church, because I got a new dress. That's all I knew as a little kid. But I had the most loving parents, and I, as I told you last night, it was all day long. I love you, I love you. Mom would kiss me and hug me. And I learned from an early age what that felt like. And when I started dating my husband, he is the sweetest man on two feet. But I could tell, and even though he had a great family, that they were not a huggy family. And so I remember going in and meeting my in-laws for the first time, and I just went up and embraced her, and she was like, and I thought, "Uh uh-oh. And I remember going back home and telling my mom, Mom, what's wrong with these people? They don't act like they want you to hug them. And she said, well, she looked, some people don't want you to hug them. You know, you're in their personal space. Um, But you know what I did? I did it anyway, and I kept doing it. And I kept saying, I love you guys. I love you guys. And she's like, okay. You know, that's really sweet. And before you know it, they started embracing me back. And it became routine. And now my, my, my father-in-law is just precious. He grabs me and gives me a big kiss on the cheek. And, you know, a whole fam- their whole family is, is so much more loving. So if you haven't grown up in that, it's a very uncomfortable place to be. And even when God's trying to love on you, you don't know how to respond to it. I keep going back to that young man that you had in the early part of the revival that you were saying how that he didn't, he never said, I love you. Nobody ever hugged him. I don't think he even knew how to do that. You know, that's just, no, I'm not doing that. That's, no, I would not do that. That's just freaky. I don't like that feeling. But guess what? The love of God changes everything. All of a sudden, the love of God begins to define itself the way it appropriately is. So no matter how damaged a person is, they can be healed and they can be set free. But there has to be a place where they can come where people know how to pray for them to be free. Now, look, churches don't mind dealing with salvation. And some of them don't mind praying for you when you're sick. But when you say the word deliverance, they don't want to talk about that because that's messy. I can remember some years ago we were in a convention, a big convention, and uh, this it was a lot of ministers there. And this uh, pastor was up preaching, and it was a great service, and they gave an altar call, and people were slain in the spirit. And, and I remember Candace was slain in the spirit over here. And, and so I was coming to pray for her, and all of a sudden one of the pastors grabbed me because there was a lady laying there. And when I got down beside of her, she was growling. And um, Candace later said, and we began to pray for her, but then a few of the pastors came up, and they went, ooh, okay, I'll see y'all at the Christian nightclub they didn't want to get their hands dirty. You know, no, that's going to take a little while. Now, I don't give the devil a three-ring circus. We'll get this taken care of right now, but if the person doesn't want to be delivered, that's another whole story as well. But I thought to myself, you scoundrels, that's what you do. That's what your life is about. You need to get yourself back over here and pray for these ladies. So several of us got down and we prayed, and and she got free that night. She absolutely got free. So when we left there to go get some bandages, had this really funny look on her face. And I said, uh, what's wrong with you? And she said, oh, i got to tell you this. God is so good. <laughs> I said, yeah, he is. What's going on? I, you got a blessing. She says, no, I don't know if I got a blessing or not because I'm going to tell you I was getting a blessing. 
but she said, I heard growling and I thought it was me. And I was thinking, is my demon possessed and they're going to pray me through to victory? And I was like, Candace, if you were growling, I'd be really worried. You know what I'm saying? But you know what? It is amazing. It's amazing. You're going to always find situations. I just shared that so some of y'all could wake up and hear the rest of the message right there. Um, but anyway, so, you know, you're going to always find people who need the freedom, people who some, just need a little bit of TLC, a little extra time, because they don't really need to stay in that place. Everybody deserves a pr- appropriate journey with God. Can I just be real with you? I believe that everybody has the right to walk in freedom and joy and victory and the love of God. Everybody does. None, nobody is exempt. And that's why I love God so much because he doesn't classify us, the big eyes and little U's and people with DDDs behind their name are more important and, and you're this culture. And you're, God doesn't see any of that, you guys. He just sees you and I as his children. And he loves us so very much. So a person that has strongholds that are built up for whatever reason will never, ever, ever be able to give themselves completely to God because the strongholds hold them captive. This doesn't mean that people, these are people that don't love God with all their heart. They are, but they're in pain and they're damaged and they've built the stronghold, Pastor Kev, because it's their safety place. Nobody's going to hurt me anymore. This is how I'm going to stay safe. But you're not letting the pain out. It's sort of like, have you ever had, and this is kind of gory, and some of you might not like this, but this is the way it is. Have you ever had like a boil or something come up, and it's really huge, and it's all red, and, it, and it's just massive, swollen and yellow, and you think, oh, I'm just going to have to deal with this. No, but what you need to do is open that thing and let all the mess inside come to the outside, because after you do that, then there's going to be a healing that's going to flow through your leg. Come on, y'all. How many of you know it takes a little pain to get pain out? It takes a little pain to get pain out. So here's what we have to do. We have to convince the person that you're better than where you are right now. No, you're not a throwaway. No, we're not going to give up on you. No, you're not rejected and ostracized from the body of Christ. We love you. We care about you. And it is my goal, purpose in life to see you free because you can be. Satan will keep us bound as long as we will remain bound. But see, a lot of strongholds are from very deep root situations. When you go out and you look at this flourishing scene, like if you go in the downtown area of Springfield and you go where the history is and you see those massive trees and you say, man, that tree's been here a long time. It has, but you have no idea how many miles and miles those roots run under the ground that you can't see. And that's where a lot of people are dealing with root issues that run for miles in their life. And we can't just turn on a switch, you know, and say, go ahead and get with the program. Some people can't get with the program. You know, they need a little extra help. So this is what I'm talking about. How do we build a healthy church? We have deliverance when it's needed. We get these people free. So here's what happens. I thought this was really extraordinary. Here's an example of how a stronghold forms. Something traumatic happens in your life. That's a fact, right? And then all of a sudden, it leads me to a wrong behavior of thinking, a pattern of thinking. And then it begins to justify my wrong actions as it leads me to the next step. And then it causes me to erect 
this stronghold because it protects my right to do so. And then it, it absolutely perpetuates the pain and it keeps all the trauma locked in. So strongholds aren't built in one step. It takes time. It takes time for them to build. And the more they build, the more you see the person shrinking back. They're not like they used to be. There's no joy in them. You know, and you're looking at, well, what's wrong with her? Man, we invited her to come to the ladies' meeting, and she didn't even show up. Well, that's because you don't know the hell that she goes through before she gets to the church. And so we need to have a little more sensitivity about what we're going through, church. I really believe that God is wanting to do something powerful in our churches. I'm talking about how to have revival. I'm not off the subject of, of the abundance of rain and revival. I'm telling you how we get revival. Do you understand? We have to deal with all of the stuff that goes with it. But here's what I want you to understand. Some of you are devil baited. What do I mean by that? You, you have to ask yourself sometimes because you go through. How many of you have gone through so much battle? You go, I don't understand it. Now, I wish you'd just go pick on somebody else for just a little while, you know. Nobody told me that when I woke up in the morning that the devil was going to be at my breakfast table. And I don't understand that. Well, here's what you have to do. What does hell know about you that you don't know about yourself? Because the more you're battled, it means there's something inside of you that he, he's after. The devil doesn't battle people that aren't going to do anything or going to sit there like a knot on a log and never be free. But when there's powerful stuff inside of you that has not been released, and you need to be delivered so that can be released. The enemy knows, so he fights even more to keep you bound. And so we have to have understanding of how we go in and deal with that. There's doors of access that we close as Christians. Now I'm going to get a little deep right here. And this is not a wonderful millennial message. But here's what I know. If you do not learn how to close the doors to everything that society and the church deems appropriate, you're going to spiral down into a very dark place. And I promise you, it may not happen at first, but somewhere down the journey of your life, you're going to have to deal with some really raw emotions of depression and oppression and confusion and deception and darkness because that's exactly where the enemy wants to take us. So when I prayed for that young woman that day in the mental hospital, I said, let me ask you something. What do you listen to? She said, well, I have a Led Zeppelin CD. Is that okay? Now, some of y'all, that's dated. You don't even know who Led Zeppelin is. You know, um, you know acid rock way back in the day. And I'm like, you have a Led Zeppelin CD? She said, yeah, is that all right? I said, no. I'm going to give you something different. Can I have it? She says, absolutely. She started going through a backpack. She had cigarettes and she had the rock music, you know, but she didn't have any drugs in there, but she had a lot. She had some tarot cards and she had, you know, some other things that she'd been dabbling in. And I said, we've got we've to close the door to all of this stuff. You can't go back to this anymore. This has been the part of your problem right here. And she goes, okay, well, just tell me. I don't know. Listen, I would rather deal. Listen to me. I would rather deal with raw sinners that were the worst of the worst and get them converted and bring them in the church than I would Christians that have been in here for 45 years and won't do anything. You claim to have all the power, and you don't even have enough power to blow the fuzz off of a peach. 
you can do more with a blatant sinner and getting them saved than you can do with thousands of people in the church that don't want to do anything. You see what I'm saying? So you have to learn to close the doors of access. Even when we pray for people in deliverance, we'll go back then and say, listen, let's, let's think about some things in your home that you need to get rid of. What do you watch? What do you listen to? Who do you allow to speak into your life? Because a lot of the stuff that we're going through is because it's been self-inflicted by your wrong choices. And there are a lot of people who want to hang out with you for all the wrong reasons. When I was youth pastoring, I used to tell the kids, I said, listen, do you know what adult problems are? They said, no, what? I said, they were kid problems that were never resolved. And they followed you into your adulthood. And you do not want to become an unhealthy adult. So we need to deal with it right here and right now. How many of you ever heard of Eddie James? He was at our church not long ago. He's been there a few times. We love Eddie James. And you know how he brings all of his kids, and they have testimonies. Man, they've been in the worst of the worst. But one night they brought a huge can up there, and he was preaching on deliverance that night. And all of a sudden he said, look, we're going to clean house. I know you've got some stuff in your pocket. I know you're hiding some stuff in your backpack. Literally, it was a rush of the Holy Spirit that came through that place because nobody can make you do anything except for the Holy Ghost. And conviction began to reign. Those kids were crying, and that thing was so full of stuff that they they had to, the police officers came and took it. It was drugs and everything, and we had, we had to let them dispose of that stuff. But I'm talking about cleaning house and getting stuff out. What about the pornography that you're hiding under your bed? What about the romance novels that are steamy, that keep your mind in the gutter? All my exes live in Texas. And D-I-V-O-R-C-E. You know, the stuff that we listen to, it puts, it changes your thought patterns. And that's old, and the kids are now going, what? I need to go hang out with the youth. I need to hang out with you so I can get educated and get up to date. And go, I say, oh, that's cool. That's ultra cool. They go, we don't say that anymore. I can tell I haven't been a youth pastor in a really long time. But the tearing down of those things is getting rid of that stuff. Anything that would cause you to be more carnal, get rid of it. It's not worth keeping in your house. That's why I said last night when my husband and I, we've anointed our home and we pray over it. And we've, there's nothing in there that shouldn't be. I don't read dirty books. I don't have pornography on my computer. My husband is an awesome man of God. We don't have any of that stuff in our home. So that when people walk into our home, they say, this is a place of the greatest peace. I just want to come in here and sit for a while. It feels like I'm in a serene garden of just pleasure when I walk into your home. And I'm thinking, thank you, God, because that's God. That's because we honor him. He's, the, he's our father, and, and he owns everything that we have. You know what? It, it takes a while to get to a place, Pastor Kevin, where you can say, strip me of everything, and I can still have joy because things don't make me happy. Now, I like cheese. I like cheese, okay? I'm all female. Don't want to be a man. Well, you know, I got my lipstick on. I can't be able to get up here. I'm going to be wearing those till 
I'm 105. You know, I'm all girl. But if I don't have these, it doesn't make me happy. It's just a thing. You understand what I'm saying? Everybody has things that they like. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong to have with having money. I pray you all become millionaires. Because it's not the money, it's the root of, or the love of money that is the root of all evil. It's how you, how you use it. Come on, is that right? And so we pray, Lord, make me a millionaire. But he probably won't because he can't trust you with $5 right now. And so let's just be real. So we have to clean our house of everything. Are you guys with me? I'm doing a little teach preach tonight. And so we have to be painfully realistic and say to God, I want to be an overcomer. And I'm going to be raw honest with you. Listen, I got to tell you all, this is a secret. Don't tell anybody. But God already knows everything in your heart. It's, it's really not true, guys. I mean, he's already seen the crust. And you think you're hiding it from him? I remember a little lady from our church one time. She's gone on to heaven, bless her little heart. And uh, we went. Uh, I went with my brother up to the hospital to visit her. And, the, and this was way back. I'm so old. Um, some of the oldest dirt, they used to let you smoke in the hospital room. Are you kidding me? Yep, they did. And so we walked in, and, and we walked in, and we said, hey, how you doing, Sister Ruth? And she went, I'm great, Pastor. How are you? And my brother is such a mess. He said, well, I just want to have a little conversation with you today. And she's like, oh, you don't have to stay. You can go visit somebody else. I'm doing good. I'm going to be discharged tomorrow. Well, there's smoke encircling his head. And he said, Ruth, why don't you put that cigarette out before you set your hospital gown on fire? Because she thought if I'm hiding it from him, he will never know. You know, hey, it don't matter to me, baby. That's something you have to deal with. I'm not going to judge you about that. You know, would I go to heaven if I smoked? Probably, but you'd be stinking like you've been in hell. You know, (laughs) carnal things get a hold to us. We need to get them out of our lives, though, because that's not a great testimony. Now, there's some people that love God. It's an addiction. You You have to be delivered of it. My mom, when my mom got saved, my mom and dad both came back to the Lord at the same time. And boy, my dad, he got bone saved. He was ready to go out and save the whole world. Mom still had a smoking problem. And she'd go down in the basement and hide and smoke. And this went on for two months. And you know what she said? Just kill me. I'm an old Pentecostal sister. Just That's all she knew. Just kill me because I'm not going to go to heaven because I smoke. And the Lord's like, no, you're going to go to heaven. But I really wish you'd let go of this cancer stick because it isn't a very good testimony. But you know what? She got delivered of that two weeks later. Hallelujah. And then she understood. So, no, we don't judge people for things that's going on in your life. Even though you love God, it's just things that need a little extra care. Come on, hear me. Hear me very carefully. So as long as the enemy can convince us that he, he has those stronghold material that he's given us and we've built it, and, and we don't have an early church experience, we don't get to come to the awakening church and have the freedom to worship and just to dance if I want to. And just to know that if I lift my hands, nobody's going to come get me and take me to the back door. I haven't had that type of experience. I don't know about that. Well, guess what? The enemy loves that. He loves to keep us in a place where we don't understand. So here's what happens. Those strongholds. Some of them are just too small to talk about. But they're really not. They're not too 
too small to talk about. They're not too small to talk about. So we need to understand tonight that whatever we're dealing with, it's time to get it taken care of. So then you can move on down the road and be happy. It's time to turn the page and start writing a new chapter of your life. But you're still stuck on the same one. You're still stuck. Jim, come up here and help me tonight if you will. Okay, so uh, can, you, can you put a chair right here? Can you just pull a chair right here? Listen, I, I'm visionary. How many of you are visionary? Some people are auditory. Some people are visionary. I learn more from what I see almost than what I hear. The first lesson is to know how to get the seat unhooked from the other seat. Okay, so if you'll sit right there for just a minute. Come here, Pastor Doug. We're going to have lunch in a minute. So what did I say? We walk in and we have a carnal nature. So I greet Jim and I say, hey, Jim, how you doing? He goes, I'm doing this. I'm doing what? He's happy. He's excited. He's ecstatic. He's convinced me he's doing great. But if my eyes were opened, then I would see something different. Come here, Pastor Doug. So we have, here's Jim really. So in the service, we're having this high church service, and Jim's just kind of sitting there. He doesn't raise his hand, but he just told me when he came in, he's, he's doing great. He's happy. He's joyful. But I never see a move out of him. Now, Sister Sheila, I could argue the point that everybody's not as emotional as you are. Yes, you are. I could prove it. So if pastor says, I'm just not an emotional pastor, I just don't think it's necessary to get up and jump and shout and scream and carry on. I'm just not like made like that, Sister Sheila. You are, but I'm still crazy, and I know that's true. But I will beg to differ with you because you are emotional. I can prove it. So if I come over here and take my high heel shoe and stomp it through his toe as hard as I could, he'll go, oh! he goes out to the mailbox tomorrow or Monday morning and he pulls out a $100,000 check to buy the new church, he's going to be more emotional than he's ever been. So what happens? What happens, Jim? So we come in and Jim's going to party. But then I just notice that every service, he never seems happy. Is it because he's not emotional? No, because now, if the Lord opens our eyes, which he just opened up all your eyes, spiritually, and this is what Jim really looks like. Oh, my God, if I had that kind of chain hanging on me, I don't reckon I could jump and leap and shout and be victorious either. What does this represent? Everything that you're bound with. Every stronghold in your life is this one. And you know, we go as far as tying our mouth up so we can't say anything either because the devil wants to shut your mouth because praise is your weapon. So you start out in the flesh, you end up in the spirit. And so we say, Jim, raise your hands and praise God. Go ahead, what's wrong with you? Praise him. Go ahead, Jim, get up and dance. Can't you dance with me? Come on, Jim. And he's like, 
He wants to. Doesn't this look fun? Come on, don't you want to dance with me? Hallelujah, praise God. Hallelujah. And he can't do it because he's blind. But here's what I know. The word of God says, a truth shall set us free. And God has made a way for our freedom. So here's what I want you to do. If you don't know anything else to do, if you don't know any other prayer to pray, when you get to a place where you're sick and tired of being sick and tired and you want to throw those chains away, now we're going to all say this together. Jesus, come on. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Come on. Come on, Jim. Pray. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Come on, y'all. Jesus, look, now he's free to praise God. He's free. He's free. He's not bound anymore. Those chains will never hold him again. Once the Lord sets you free, you are free. You are free. Listen, Psalms 1832 says this, allow nothing of the enemy to come into your camp. Destroy every part and piece of the enemy's work. Destroy it, if it if, even if it appears innocent. Go ahead and get rid of it right then and right now. Listen, the Lord is wanting to crush everything in your life that has held, held you down. He wants you to be free tonight. On this last night of me being here, but revival doesn't end for this church or for you guys, but for right now, he wants you to be free tonight in your mind, in your body, in your soul, and in your spirit. Come on, stand up with me and get those hands up and let's begin to worship the Lord tonight. Let's begin to worship the Lord tonight. Come on. Come on, we're going to worship. Come on, come on. Come on, we're going to worship. We're going to worship. Come on, she's going to sing that song again, Break Every Chain. And this is what we're going to do. We're just going to let the Lord move in here tonight. Some of you are dealing with some very old stuff. But I hear the Spirit of the Lord say, tell them tonight is the night. We're going to let it go tonight. Every head bowed and every eye closed for just a minute. If you're here tonight and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I want you to know that you can. That he doesn't come to condemn us, but he comes to convict us of our sin. He loves us so very much. So if you're here tonight and you don't know the Lord as your personal Savior, would you lift that hand up? Come on, I want to pray for you. I want to introduce you to the King of kings and the Lord of all lords. So I'm assuming that everybody in the house is born again. Everything is okay. So now the second call is this. If you're here tonight and you're battling some things, you've got some stuff that needs to be broken off. I want you to get yourself to the altar right now. We're going to pray for you tonight. I don't care what it is. It can be years old or it can be something new. But if you need deliverance in a particular area, I want you to come. I know that there's somebody here that needed this message because the Lord interrupted me today. But if you don't come to receive it, then you'll leave the same way you came in. So I'm waiting on you. Come on, come on. 